Hello, everyone. This is Tommy, World at War Comics. I am the creator and writer of Kingsville. Right now, we have an issue to Kickstarter. Please go to Kickstarter, search Kingsville, and we would love your support. All right, we have another amazing interview. But before we get into that, um, we would like to share two companies that really support the podcast. First is CN Chili's. Go to cnchilies.com. Use comics at checkout when you buy your hot sauce, and you will save 15% off your entire order. Um, CN Chili's is the best hot sauce out there. It's absolutely incredible. I use it almost on a daily basis. I think you're going to really love it at C-I-E-N-C-H-I-L-E-S.com. And then we have our good friends at Comic Crusaders, the best in comic book reviews, music reviews, movie reviews, and they even have a Comic Crusaders channel right here on YouTube that you should be following. And they do a lot of amazing interviews with some of the best in the industry. All right, without further ado, my good friend Ed Davis is back with a brand new comic that is a Kickstarter right now, The Corrupter. You should go to Kickstarter, check it out. It is a spinoff from his very popular The Immortal Era. If you're not reading this, you should. I have all seven right here. Um, and it's an incredible story. Will not let you down. Um, check it out right now. But without further ado, here's Ed and I. Thanks, everybody. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing podcast today. My returning guest, Mr. Ed Davis. He is the writer, creator of The Immortal Era. And he has a brand new comic that has a current Kickstarter called The Corrupter. If you're not backing it, you need to get over to Kickstarter right now. Just search it and it'll pop right up and make sure that you back. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm hanging in there, man. Always great when I could talk to a friend um, in the industry, man. Um, I see that you were at LA Comic Con. How did that go? Was it a good show for you? It was a really good show. It actually yeah. ended up being my most successful show that I've done. Oh, wow. And I know a lot of creators were talking about having a rough show, but yeah. I got placed in a really nice spot. I was right on the corner, so I was easy to find because there's been years where you get buried. You're kind of in a corner and people yeah. search around and they still can't find you. Or this time I was right in the very back, right where you'd go out to get all the food, the food court and the beer tent. And there I was right there. So it was good placement. And it, there was a there was a good crowd. And if, if you've ever seen me at a con, I'm constantly engaging. So. Yeah. I got a lot of people to the table, made a lot of sales, and actually had Corruptor at the table. So even though it's live on Kickstarter, I had it live. At, I had it at the table so people could buy it right then and there, or they could come and pick up what they backed on Kickstarter before the, anybody else gets it. So nice. yeah, it was it was a great show. Because I mean, it's no matter if it's a good show or a bad show, you're exhausted by the end, but it's always good to have that satisfied feeling with the exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you did all three days too, right? I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's gotta be exhausting. I think I've only done some of the smaller events where there is just, you know, the one day, I think I did one with two days, but uh, yeah, they are exhausting, you know, setting up. And then I assume do you just throw kind of a towel over everything at night or do you put pack everything back up and bring it back the next day? Pack, I pack, I just pretty much I have a big tablecloth. I have a second tablecloth that I throw over. Yeah. And then I do pack up like the graded books mm -hmm. and some of the more expensive things. But the regular books, I just leave there. So I have a tote that I throw all the, the CGC ones in and those ones I pack. And this this show, I actually sold three CGCs. So that was nice, too. For you, man. That's awesome. 
I know we were talking about that at the last show that we had. Um, yeah. I sold a couple and I was actually surprised that I sold any of them. And uh, yeah, that was fun, man. It's, it's always great when uh, someone's interested in something like that. That means they're, they really enjoy your comic, I think, right. To be able to buy an enclosed case one. Yeah. And that's, that's something I, I'll go four or five shows and not sell one. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you sell three. So that's, I mean, you put them out there because you sold a few. I didn't put them out at the last show we were out because I'm like, oh, I don't have the space. And this probably isn't the show for people to buy CGCs. And then you're like, I, I sold two. So <laughs> I was so just supposed to show, always put them out and see what yeah. happens. Exactly. Exactly. Man. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, let's talk about uh, the immortal era. I mean, um, here's the first seven issues right here. Incredible yeah. story. Um, maybe kind of walk us through the immortal era where you're currently at with it. I assume the next issue is also being done with immortal era. I just shipped out the, the Kickstarter for issue eight. So issue eight is done. That was on my table at LA comic-con and issue nine. We're working on colors right now for it. Oh, cool. Man. And issue the the basic premise of the story i can go over that it's yeah it's a world set in set 200 years in the future where everyone has become immortal but it's not that great you know happy <laughs> vampire or i guess mopey vampire where you're stuck in one age like these people they still age you yeah. can get a disease and you'll just have it forever you'll never die of it so it centers on a group of heroes that you see the ones on the cover of issue one and they're out trying to do anything they can to restore the natural life cycle because yeah. they realize the only way they're going to save humanity is by killing them. Yeah. And this one we're, we're about to release issue nine. I'm really excited about issue nine because it's, if you see the big character at the top of the book, that character's name is out at now at this point, only known as father. Yeah. And we get his full origin story. So oh, issue wow. nine is his entire backstory from basically there's a, there's a page in issue three that mm. seems to be a throwaway page, but I did it that way deliberately. We basically move into what was happening on that page and see how that was directly affecting father. And it centers on his quest to save that woman that we saw in panel three or in, yeah. in issue three. So there's a whole page. We see a woman. She's getting captured by one of the aid soldiers and taken away issue nine is father trying to save her mm. and basically everything that happens from that point on and it can be read that's one of the one of the few issues i've written that can be read all as its own as a standalone oh, yeah. if you read it you you need a little backstory about the universe yeah. but you could read it and read nothing but that and get a full story contained in there yeah. and you don't have to worry about okay the next to be continued issue because most of my issues, I like to end with a cliffhanger at the ending. Yeah, well, this yeah. one, it has no cliffhanger because essentially it ends where we know he ends up because he ends up in the underground. He ends up with the family that he's raising. Yeah. But what gets him there? What drives him to that underground? That's what we find out in issue nine. So it's it's a standalone issue. And it's also our biggest issue at 32 pages. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Cause wasn't it, didn't uh, in issue seven start a new um, series? Like it a started new, a new story arc. Yeah. A new story arc. Yeah. That's what I thought. So, so issues it's one through six, not part of that. It is part of it. It's connected uh -huh. because in issue six, 
we're introduced to a new villain mm-hmm. and that villain his backstory is also contained in the issue nine one wow so it's it's a standalone issue but it has huge it has huge repercussions in the world building that i've done that's, that's so, so we cool. find out there's a lot of things that i've hinted at we we keep yeah. hearing them refer to i'll put you into the flat fields yeah well we find out what that is they said oh, oh you i'll i'll leave you in a chicken farm we find out finally what that is so I reveal a lot of the things that have just been words up to this point. Now we get to see them in the flesh and it connects. It, it can, if, if you pulled it out of this story arc, you could still read the story arc and understand it, but mm-hmm. it connects to the larger story more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. How exciting is that? Man, nine issues too, man. Congratulations um, for an indie creator just to get through four. I think it's like a big win. So you're you're far beyond that, Ed. I mean, I think you're full-fledged, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I think the first four, like you said, are the hardest because you, you're, you're just trying to find your footing. You're trying to find your audience. And there's not a lot of trust with the audience in the beginning Absolutely. because so many indies come, release a few really good issues, and then disappear. Yeah. Or it's okay here. Now you get to wait another year and a half for for the new issue. And yeah, yeah, you have to build that trust with your audience. And it takes about a four issues and then they know, okay, yeah, I'm getting new issues. Yeah, I'm I'm not Marvel. You don't get a monthly, but you're getting a new issue every, you know, two to three months as, as best as you can with an indie schedule. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the indie schedule is obviously much harder right because it's such a small team you know a lot of times it's just you and an artist or sometimes maybe you got a letter I mean I'm fortunate I have I have everything in one artist so pencils inks and then colors and then I do the lettering it's a a two-man team right now I would love to yeah you have the smaller team yeah that's a nice thing because the bigger the team also the more the production costs you to get done yeah so if you can find a small team that does great quality work you're really lucky yeah yeah well i think it's amazing how much that you're putting out at it it's actually it's incredible i think the goal for a lot of indie creators when i talk to them is you know if i could do three maybe four a year i think Mm -hmm. that is a a big win right to you know our our kind of monthly schedule really is around quarterly probably it's more realistic right just because the production time takes much longer because it's such a small team and then funding right funding is a a big issue too and that's why we all are on kickstarter but i feel like you're nailing the the once a quarter if not more yeah that's a that's about what i can do comfortably so the once a quarter i've been able to to hit that mark and now with two books that i'll be working on i figure if we can get you i would i would hope three issues of immortal era per year and two issues of corruptor that's that's the ultimate goal but with corruptor it's a four issue miniseries so it won't be something that's going to be a long ongoing series although the way i have it set up is i will there's going to be four issues that take place before immortal era begins and there's going to be four issues that will actually take place after immortal era ends Mm. okay yeah that's awesome is there an idea to take some more of these characters and maybe do other um, four issue like story arcs for um, for them in the future? Is that kind of the idea? I would like to because there's there's certain characters that they come in very quickly in the series and we don't get much fleshing out or backstory with them. So I would love to do 
even like little one shots yeah. where you get a one shot where we have the head of the witches, Tristessa. Yeah. And I would, I, I have a one shot that I'm kind of planning with her that we see that she goes back much farther than we know. She goes back hundreds and hundreds of years and she's been plotting over and over again, trying to get the immortal era to begin. Yeah. We see she finally succeeds in in this book in issue two. We see how that worked for her, but she had been trying and failing. So I have kind of some side stories where she almost succeeds, but fails for smaller reasons. So yeah. little things like that, little one shots for some of the characters. And then um, with the news reporter, I'm going to be playing with his story a lot because we see him in issue one. Mm-hmm. He's just there for three or four pages. But people love him. That's the one I get asked about the most. Like, oh, when do I get to know more about him? Yeah. So we're going to actually see more of his story unfold through Corruptor, but yeah. just through the use of newscasts. Yeah. So we'll see a little newscast, and then we'll see another newscast, and then eventually we'll see in issue one, he's talking about, I was fired from my job. We'll find out exactly why he got fired, and we'll, we can witness that happening. And yeah. then I have written or outlined at this point an entire storyline where mm-hmm. we see what where he ends up and how how he's affected after he gets captured so little things like that are fun to do it's just finding the time and resources to get yeah. them all done yeah that's that's the problem right i i assume this is not the only thing that you do um or or are you doing this full time now no, I do. I, I still teach full time. Yeah. So yeah. that's the job that pays the bills. And exactly. <laughs> this, this is the one that you you hope one day will pay the bills. But for yeah. now, you know, you got to juggle the two. Yeah, for for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so awesome. I mean, I, I always am amazed when someone's able to be able to accomplish as much as you have. Um, and at what, three years? Yeah. About three years. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, about three years. Well, it started in the in like August of 2019. Yeah, but then we also had COVID to contend with. So yeah, it's like we I released issue two in January 2020, and yeah. you thought, okay, I had lined up all these shows. I was booked <laughs> for WonderCon. I was booked yeah. for you know all these small local shows, and then one by one by one, they just fell off. So yeah, you just watched all your entire schedule and your whole game plan. Okay, I'm gonna get out there. I'm gonna sell at shows, build an audience. And that completely fell apart. So that was the challenge of navigating through 2020 and, you know, the earlier part of 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's tough. That's tough. I think a lot of uh, creators went through that, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, when you're writing your story, Ed, how far out are you as far as the story goes? Because that the the, as quick as you're pumping out um, issues, I have to feel like you're pretty far along. Like, I, do you have a story already written for like four or five issues for Immortal Era and uh, The Corruptor? As far as scripts go, we're yeah. about, he's worked, the, the artist is done with all the pencils up to issue 10. Oh, wow. He's he's currently has, I think, six pages left for Corruptor 2. Okay. And then I have the script for issue 11 done but the outlines all the way through the entire story. Yeah, yeah. So I know where it needs to go. I know each story arc that's going to be six issues. I know how it needs to move along, what are going to be the major, the major reveals in each story arc. 
So that's already outlined. And then my goal is always to be about two to three scripts ahead of the uh, of the art team. So right now they're getting close, but I'm also going to, you know, I'm about to be on Christmas break as a teacher. So that gives me time to really spend a couple days and knock out some scripts, even if it's just, you know what, I'm locked in the office all day until this script is done. Yeah, yeah. I can be get back ahead of the art team. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's jump into the corruptor because that's your current Kickstarter right now. How yes. many about eight days left? Seven days is it? I think it's yeah, I think it's about seven and change. So I think it'll yeah. close next Saturday in the evening. Okay, perfect, man. So there's plenty of time for people to jump in. And then obviously you have all the add-ons. So if you've missed anything, you have a, an awesome opportunity to catch up on everything. Um, but let's get into the corruptor. I want to be careful. I don't want to reveal too much, but I did read it and it is awesome. Um, so if you are a backer, you're going to be very happily surprised by the story. It's a great story. Um, and if you're not a backer, trust me, this is an awesome uh um, at least first issue. And like you said, it's a four part series and it really yeah. starts off with a bang, I think. Well, thank you. Yeah. So this one, it's a, it's a shared universe story, but it's got a different vibe and a different feel. So it's, it's more centered on, it's more like a mob, a weird mob story. That's mm -hmm. what I kind of wrote it as where the mob in this case is heaven and hell. Right. So yeah. we, we get, a, a mobster who gets, you know, we, the issue starts with seeing him on his final job yeah. and this job land ends up killing him. Yeah. So dying on this job though, ends up being the first, of, like, like the smallest of his problems because yeah. immediately <laughs> he's recruited by demons. Yeah. They, send, they, they say, all right, we're going to take you down to hell and we're going to offer you a job. And if you don't take this job, look outside that's hell that's where you're going to go deal with that's what you're going to deal with for the rest of your eternity so <laughs> he decides to take the job and it's a job as a corrupter where his job is to corrupt souls so that they end up in hell because heaven and hell are battling to get as many souls as they can because they know both sides know that the immortal era is about to begin yeah and when the immortal era begins they don't know when souls will be coming back their way yeah yeah, so cool, man. And you know what's unique is uh, the the story while he was alive, like the situation that he was in when he was alive when he was dead. He was like brought right back into that same type of scenario, so he can't escape, you know, being under that kind of mob control because of the yeah. set that he has, right? So it's I feel bad kind of for the guy because he can't get out of it, you know. And then the job that he got, which we don't want to reveal because that's the heart of the story, I think, is just crazy. And you can understand why he ended up the way that he did. Yeah. 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 So he, yeah, he gets, he gets that he, he takes a job that he shouldn't have taken. And the entire series is going to kind of move along the fact that his ego yeah. took him too far. Yeah. And he's even his boss will like, just let this one go. It's okay. You know, yeah. I, you're, you're my main guy. I trust you. You got to let this job go. And his ego is too big and he can't let the job go and that's going to have direct repercussions all the way through the series yeah so what ends up happening in the series everything comes down to that last decision he made when he was alive yeah absolutely yeah you know there, there's a, a a shootout scene um before he dies and there's some other characters without revealing too much but mm -hmm. i'm hoping that they're in some of the the issues coming up as well 
um, in that other realm. Ooh, yeah. See, that's I don't want to give spoilers, but okay, don't, don't, don't say anything. You'll, you'll, you want you will be okay. pleasantly surprised. Right, yeah, I, I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste good characters. Yeah. We will see them in some form. That's gotcha. that's the non-spoiler version of Very saving good. it. I'll take that. I, that's plenty for me, man. That's awesome. Well, I mean, this is pretty exciting for you to, um, to kind of, I would think as a creator, right, you're eight issues in. I think it's kind of fun to be able to take a break from that story. And even though this is somewhat of a prequel to Immortal Era, it's kind of fun to be able to write something. Is it is it nice to be able to write something that's not related to the current story that you're on, like a little bit of a break? It is. And, and it's it's one of those things where it's nice to have two stories to juggle between because there's certain days I go to write and there's nothing coming from Immortal Era, despite yeah. the fact I have extensive notes and I know exactly what needs to happen. Yeah. I cannot write a good page. Yeah. I just keep delete, delete, delete. <laughs> so at that point I go, okay, you know what? I need to spend some time in the corrupter universe. And when I started writing it, the story is probably, I'd say it goes back about, four to five years the corruptor yeah. story okay. but it was one i just did little bits on okay let me add a little bit here let me add a little bit there and, and you know i finally said you know i'm just gonna finish it and i look at him like wow i already have over 30 pages of script <laughs> now granted there, there there were certain scenes that went way too long yeah so yeah. we we've already revealed that he ends up going to hell and he has to talk to satan who becomes the new mob boss like you said he can't escape the fact that someone's always, you know, pulling the strings. He's he's yeah. the puppet. Yeah. And that initial scene I wrote was like eight pages long. <laughs> like, okay, that's great if it's a novel. Right. But in a comic book, that's just people are gonna lose interest in it. So yeah. I had to more more than anything, I had to go and just kind of chop a lot. Yeah. And when he gets he gets a handler when he comes back to Earth. And that handler I had multiple pages of script between them just talking and walking. And it, it comes to a point you realize, okay, it's all building the world and giving us the rules, but you can condense that. And that's what it came down to was like, okay, I had the opposite problem. I have too much and it's time to, to chop it down. So I still have a file. I, I get everything that gets cut out. I just throw it. The chopped work. Yeah. And it's got pages of Immortal Era, pages of Corruptor, pages of stories that are still just kind of, I'm still kind of trying to work out. Yeah. Something, all right, one day I could maybe grab some of those scenes because a few times I've said, okay, that scene now that I cut from issue one works really well in issue 12. So okay. that's why I, I, I tell people never delete, just, you know, delete it from the story and throw it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's a great idea, I think, as a writer. Um, that because you know you, you do have those days where you go and you're sitting in front of the computer and you're about to start and you're just like nothing is there today man I don't know what's going on yeah. so to to have that second story I think is such a nice break almost a little vacation um, for the mind yeah. right to be able to exercise in a different way um, do you kind of already have an idea in your head of which characters you have lined up for like a one shot if you could do it or you haven't got that far yet the one shot will definitely will have a Tristessa one shot. Okay, yeah, that, that will take sense. place the first time she tried to make the immortal era begin. Yeah, so yeah. we'll see her first her first failed attempt yeah. at trying to bring about the immortal era, and yeah. then the reporter Stephen George from yeah. issue one yeah. 
he'll have a one shot that we'll see actually that he directly affected our characters in the story in a way that we wouldn't know. So okay. we'll we'll see kind of his journey from the moment he's captured at the end of our little introduction in issue one up yeah. until the point where he where he finds his final place. I mean, he doesn't die, obviously. Yeah. He could be still alive, lurking out there, but, you know, 200 something years old. But we see kind of where he ends up and how he is directly responsible for some of the things that happen to the people 200 years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. I almost feel like what you shared about issue nine, it almost is a one shot for the father then too, right? It is. So issue nine definitely can work as a one shot story. You can read it even if you haven't read everything before. I mean, obviously reading the stuff before would help because like I was saying before, there's a page in issue three that directly connects to everything that's going on. But if you didn't read that page in issue three, the story can still unfold in a way that would be understandable. And in that story, we find out the, the first kind of person that came and attacked the village. His name is Koa. We find out his backstory as well. So while unraveling father's backstory, we also get his backstory and discover why he hates father so much, (laughs) why he went into that village storming in angrily, just wanting nothing more than to destroy father and anything he loves. So we find out exactly why he hates father and we discover, yes, he actually has a good reason to hate father. So it's not that he becomes sympathetic at all. He's still just a terrible villain because, you know, (laughs) so many people like, oh, I want my villains to have layers. You know, they have good in them. Like, no, my villains are just horrible. They're (laughs) awful people and he's awful, but he has a good reason for hating father and father, even though through the backstory, he has a very good reason for hating him, even if he's, you know, he has wrong in the situation Because in this story, the one thing is none of the heroes are perfect. Yeah. Every hero has flaws. And in their origins, we discover they all have a past that that haunts them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, um, you obviously have the the eight floppies are available. You also have them in trade. How many trades have you produced and how many issues does each trade um, uh, have in them? I did a trade. For issues one through six, okay, I produced five hundred soft cover nice. and a hundred hard cover. Nice, yeah, that's awesome. So that's the idea is maybe every six, then you'll put it into a trade. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. So that's the idea. So we're already kind of because when we did our first trade, we discovered all the things that we didn't know. Like you have to reformat your pages to make oh, no. them fit in a trade because <laughs> now a floppy you can open it up all the yeah. way. In That's a trade, you have that spine, especially in the hardcovers, yeah. that kind of blocks it. So you, we were losing a huge chunk of art on every single page. So we had to go and reformat, add some what they call them gutters. So we had to add those into the into the book. And now we've already anticipated, all right, this is going to be collected in a trade. So let's make sure it's formatted right now yeah. Yeah. instead of when we get the trade and the 
printer sends it back and says, yeah, let's look at what's, what this book's going to look like. It's a disaster. Yeah, We already know what we have to do. So we're already formatting the pages. So they'll work with a trade. They'll work as floppies. They already have a pre-built gutter in there. And in a floppy, who cares? You get a little white along the edge. It doesn't yeah. hurt anything. But that white can be used when we do the trade. And yeah. now we can just send those files as exactly as they are yeah. right to the printer and we'll have our second trade ready to go. Nice. Yeah. That's exciting to have a trade too, I think. So it's, uh, it's, it's okay. good. You get double audiences, I think, because with the trade, you get people who will wait for the trade. Even if it takes 10 years, they would rather wait for the trade than buy one single floppy. Yeah. So yeah. having that on your table is, is a good thing to have. I think so. I mean, they, they're, there's definitely people who like both, right? Um, but I think that's a small percent. I think either you're a floppy person or you're a trade person, right? That's what mm -hmm. I what it seems to be the situation, like you said. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. And now, um, Finish Line Comics is the actual publisher of your comic. That's the publishing brand that you own. Um, yeah. People could just go to finishlinecomics.com and pick up these comics. Yeah, there's a web store on finishlinecomics.com. And we have, at the moment, we have one through seven. Mm -hmm. We have the two trades. We have a few of the CGC books. Yeah. Um, what we don't have is Corruptor. Yeah. That one I won't put on the web store until after the Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. As soon as it closes, as soon as I fulfilled it, yeah. at that point, that'll be up on the web store as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Probably the best place to get all those back issues is through the the Kickstarter right now. Um, yeah. But uh, you can go to the website if you'd rather <laughs> get them there. But uh, it's an yeah. awesome story and an incredible arc that you've created so far. Um, I've really enjoyed it. So can you kind of share, and I know we talked about this the last time you were on the podcast, but where did this story start for you, Ed? Like when did this whole world and, and universe that is now a mortal era, when was it created in, in that head of yours, Mr. Ed? This story, it goes back, Immortal Era goes back a long time. Yeah. 1998, yeah. Uh -huh. I was in I was an English lit major in college. Uh -huh. We were reading an excerpt from Gulliver's Travels. Mm. And in the excerpt, he finds this island where everyone is immortal. Yeah. And at first he thinks, oh, amazing, they're immortal. I like, you know, I love an, I, the idea of living forever. But then he sees the people that aren't the 20 and 30 year old people. He sees the 200 and 300 year old people and they're haggardly and just, they can't think they can't move. And he realizes, wow, you know what? Immortality sucks. And he leaves. It's a <laughs> short little excerpt, yeah. but it started all of the ideas for this series kind of going in my head. Wow. And then as for corrupter, that one at first it was going to be a standalone story, but that one, has the weirdest origin and that's it's a small world oh, we really? were, i was i was writing on it's a small world with the kids yeah. and it was one of those things they like to write it a lot and i've been on it so many times i just kind of tune it out when i'm on it so yeah. i kind of let my mind flow freely and next thing you know i started getting all of the ideas uh -huh. for corruptor so as soon as we get out i'm in my memo on my phone just writing <laughs> all this stuff down because it got the idea is just blowing up in my head. And then the weird thing was that ride ended up turning into a place where I always got good ideas. So I was like, 
the kids now they've outgrown it's a small world but i'm like no no we need to go on that <laughs> yeah. if i go on that ride I, ideas just start blowing up because i don't <laughs> i couldn't tell you a thing on the ride even though i probably could tell you everything on the ride because i've been on it enough time right but it right. just my, my mind just kind of blanks out when i hit that ride and now it becomes that that creative zone yeah yeah you know, it's funny. I'm wondering how Walt Disney would take that. <laughs> yeah, my 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 twisted story yeah. on your, you know, your your lovely ride about showing world unity. And that's where I came up with this idea. Yeah. The battle between heaven and hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All, all conceived on your ride. Yeah. I, love I don't it. know if he'd be proud of that one. I'm not too sure either. I mean, he'd be like, you you don't need to share that story. It's yeah. cool. <laughs> that's, Say you thought of it on one of your runs or something. Yeah. I don't think you'll be doing any marketing for it's a small world. Yeah. Disney plus. Here you go. I got your new series. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it, man. That is so cool. So um, from 1998 till now, what was that point in your life that triggered, I'm ready to tell this story and I want to use comics as that way to tell it? That actually didn't happen till about, I would say it was probably about 2017. And I had the story. I never let the story die. It's one of those things where it would seem like it was going to go away and then I just pull out the notes and add a little bit more. And then it was... 2017 I work at a school and our librarian is a Kubert school graduate oh cool and we're just kind of throwing story ideas out just talking this and that and I was talking about the one for Immortal Air and he's like we have to make this into a comic book series yeah he's like this would be such a good series but at that point I didn't know how to write a comic book I yeah. I always thought if you don't do art, you don't write comics. I didn't realize that you didn't have to have any artistic skills. Yeah. You just had to be a good descriptive writer. Right. So at that point, I just started researching how to write comic scripts and pulling out all those, you know, big collected volumes on the bookshelf, going to the back, looking at those script excerpts, finding a style that worked, and then just took all these, you know, this giant stack of papers and started adapting those into comic script. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And did that librarian uh, help you along the way? He was a, he was our initially he was the artist on the book, but was having a really hard time getting pages done because, of course, he's working a day job and sure. you get home. You just want to relax, not think about, you know, drawing this book. So there are about six pages that he drew. And they look great. I mean, I loved working with him, but it's just he wasn't able to get the pages done. So when he stopped, he actually moved into lettering for the book. Oh, okay. So for the first, he lettered the first six issues of the story. And then again, it was just kind of the day job was overwhelming. So he wasn't able to work for the issues beyond. And that's when I found. Dan Schmidt, who also writes his own comic series, he wrote a comic. He does a graphic novel of Worms Crawl In and Worms Crawl Out. Oh, how cool! How check that out. I just I had talked to him because he did a cover for me no. for um, Rocket Con last year, which is a smaller con down in San Diego. Yeah. And I said, "Hey, do you know anything about lettering?" I said, "You have a book. I assume you know what to do." So <laughs> at that point, he picked up and became the letterer for the series. That's cool, man. That's cool. Well, I mean, we're going into uh, 2024. Can you kind of give us an idea of what shows yet you're planning to do um, for the first six months? Do you have that kind of all mapped out? 
for the first few months, I have it up till March, basically. Okay. So I'll be doing um, the Pasadena Comic Con, mm -hmm. which is a small one-day con in January. Yeah. And then I'll also be doing WonderCon in March. And beyond that, now is the time I got to start trying to fill the holes. I was looking at RocketCon, but I don't see any dates yet because that one's normally in February. Oh, okay. So at this point, I'm just going to start checking what's out there. Okay. I know that I'll do Ontario in May. Yeah, Revolution. And then I'm looking yeah. at um, the Inland Empire HorrorCon as well. I put in the application for that, so I'm hoping that that one materializes. So it'll be more local ones. I wanted to do Phoenix, but that random hurricane that they said California was going to get hit by, it made us cancel a day of school, which yeah. shifted our the end of our school year. So now that con would be on a work day and I can't, I don't want to take off the last day of school. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Phoenix is one I won't be doing this year, but in the end there I'll always find a lot of little local ones, but yeah. at the moment, the ones that I have booked are the Pasadena and WonderCon. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool, man. Yeah. I enjoy always seeing you at those and uh, yeah, we'll have to figure it out. I would love to do the RocketCon too. I, I work in San Diego. So at least okay. right now I am, and I have been off and on for 20 years. So mm -hmm. it would be great to do that one. That one's a little bit more manageable. San Diego Comic-Con, I think would be a little overwhelming. Um, just because of the cost of getting a hotel, even though I could drive back and forth, it's about a two hour drive for me. Um, so yeah. Same for me driving. Yeah. Cause the hotel it's, it's intense and crazy. It's a great show. I did it. I did it the year that they did that special edition version okay. where they ran it on black Friday and then Saturday and Sunday. Mm. And I did incredibly well that it, that was like as far as single issues, that was the most single issues I've ever sold. Oh, wow. But that was, it wasn't normal San Diego Comic-Con time. So hotels were really cheap. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the big difference because when it's regular San Diego Comic-Con, even a kind of a dumpy hotel is yeah. really expensive. It's crazy. I mean, you could pay between $300 and $700 a night at some of those hotels during that time frame, just because so many people. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just too much. Um, you know, I, I don't see me ever probably doing San Diego comic-con unless something amazing happens to the comic book, but yeah, there's so many really cool, smaller ones that uh, are a lot of fun. They're a little bit more intimate and they're more mm -hmm. comic book focused. Um, yeah. Whereas San Diego, right. It's just so big and you got the movie side of it with hall H and, it just, it gets a lot. It gets a lot. I mean, they even have booths outside of the, the convention center. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's like an entire like neighborhood now. It's not yeah. just the convention center. It's yeah. the entire gas lamp and Petco's yeah. made over yeah. and the parking lot across from Petco becomes a, a pop-up for people trying to promote. So yeah. it's giant. And I think, I think that's what made the special edition really good for me was it wasn't about Hollywood. Yeah. For that one, there was no Hall H. There yeah. were there were no major panels or celebrities yeah. showing up. So right. it was more like the pure form of San Diego Comic Con, where the people going in, they were looking for toys, they were looking for comics, they weren't there looking for autographs. They yeah. weren't looking for let let me try to get this A list celebrity's autograph. I'll sleep over to do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there were still some good A list comic creators there that were sure. signing autographs. But yeah. that's what it was about. It was, you know, you look yeah. at the floor and it was 
clothing, um, collectibles and comic books and yeah. nothing else. And it was, it was a, it was a really great con and every exhibitor I know who was there mm -hmm. said that it was one of their best. Yeah. So it, it was great. And I know the last year since the strike was going on, it was another year that the, the indie creators really thrived yeah. because there was no, there were no, no other things to do. Hall H had no panels that people cared about. Yeah. You could just walk right into it. So yeah. what does that make you do? Get on the floor and buy stuff. Yeah. So yeah. books were selling, toys were selling. I mean, it was, everybody was thriving. So that was the year I looked at them like, dang, I was attending it, but I really wish that I was selling some books that year. Cause yeah. it was, Every creator's like, oh man, you missed out. This was yeah. better than special edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I went the Friday. I went one day and you could barely walk. It was so crowded inside yeah. there. And like you said, uh, everybody that had a booth was just beside themselves of joy just because of the amount of traffic that went through. Yeah. And, and you know, they always get traffic every year, but you don't always get sales because people are there for, you know, different reasons. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's great too, but I, I do like the, obviously as a comic book fan, I do like the comic side of it. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, a lot of great like A-listers were there. Todd McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, uh, Joshua yeah. Simpson, uh, Jeremy Adams. It was incredible to see all of those. So it was it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ed, I mean, I, I'm glad that you surpassed your goal. But, you know, as a comic book creator, people should know that, you know, that's why you have all these uh, rewards by hitting certain goals is because uh, the more that you can make right now, the further along you could get on the next few issues. So all of this yeah. really goes toward um you know completing those story arcs or getting to those next issues so let's hope that you get to that two thousand dollar mark um you still got plenty of time um which is great you know six seven days uh, a lot of time to get in there um but man anything else that we should talk about that we haven't uh covered ed no i think that's it i mean we we've talked Kind of talked about a little bit of everything so i know you have your campaign going so yeah yeah I got about 23 days, so I... Okay, so you yeah, have you, you can get through the holidays then. So that's good. Yeah, the, the more time, the better. And I know a couple people that did 40-day campaigns because of the holidays. And yeah. I'm looking back thinking, okay, things I could have done different. But yeah. in the end, I'm happy that I'm funded. Like you said, it definitely more is always needed to try to go beyond and make more issues because I'm, I'm one of those people, whatever I make on the comic book, every yeah. single penny goes yeah. directly into making more comic books. Absolutely. Cause one of, one of my aunts even asked me after I did really well at LA comic con, she said, Oh great. So that's going to pay for Christmas gifts. I'm like, Nope, that pays <laughs> for one thing. And that's more yeah. comic books. Yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah. it's paying for my artist's Christmas gifts, but not for mine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, before we go, man, I like that uh, baseball setup. I got to ask uh, the home plate with all the balls. What are those? I assume they're like Mets autographs or something. They are. Yeah, they're all different autograph baseballs. And then I have one, some of the um, like the relic cards behind them. Yeah, yeah. Is that the I, went on, I just I mean, you can find some of those ones with like the game used jerseys or bats yeah. or anything. So it's it's got all the it's got the autograph ball and then the one behind it. My my favorites in there are I have the Mike Piazza, yeah. the Nolan Ryan and the Dwight Gooden. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I have like Jacob deGrom and Matt Harvey, but the yeah. legacy players are the ones that, OK, those ones are ones that will always be your favorite, especially because I grew up and 
watched the 86 Mets. I saw oh, yeah. them win that World Series. So that that's always my team, even though now they're, you know, they're all announcing and they're much older, but that's the team I fell in love with. So yeah. those are the players I like to collect. Yeah, yeah. And I grew up an Angels fan and in 86. Okay. We had that that horrible situation, the home run, um, and they had to go back to Boston. They lost the next two the games. Donnie Moore, yep. Donnie Moore, yeah. I remember that because I was thinking, oh, my gosh, if they play in Anaheim, I can go to the World Series. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was already thinking about that. Like, oh, my gosh, they're right here. We'll be able to go. And Yeah, yeah. No, uh, no. That home run, ouch. I still yeah, remember that one. Yeah, ouch for sure. And then the tragic story of Donnie Moore. But then they lose in Boston. Boston goes to the World Series. And immediately I was a huge Mets fan that year just because I (laughs) my whole life I've hated Boston because of that series. Even to this day, I've been to Fenway, which is the experience of a life if you've never been. Oh, it's a beautiful park. Beautiful park. It's the best park I've ever been to. I've been to Wrigley. Mm -hmm. I love Wrigley, too. I've been to New York um, to both stadiums. But Fenway just has this this aura of history that just, I don't know. It's incredible. Right. Um, But I still hate the team and I have a hat (laughs) from every um, (laughs) stadium that I've ever gone to. And I've been to probably half the stadiums. I do not have a Boston hat. I couldn't do it. Like, Nope. Can't, can't cross that line. Can't cross. You got my money. That's all you get. (laughs) That's all you're going to get, man. Like I I went in, I watched the game, but that's as far as we go. Yeah. Yeah. Now I I was a catcher in little league and, 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 you know, up till like high school, and uh, Gary Carter was always my favorite player. I love his long oh, yeah. Um He what he played nineteen seasons, something crazy like that as a catcher with those knees. I don't know how he did yeah. it. Yeah, I know he did a little bit more of uh, you know pinch hitting and DHing at the end of his career. But Before man, what yeah. an amazing uh, career! But that was always my favorite player. And then obviously he played for. Oh the- yeah, I loved him. Then I loved Piazza when he came into the yeah, Mets. And they they were catchers in the in the era when catchers got clocked. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not like now where like, oh, you can't you can't touch them like they would just plow them over and hope that the ball would pop out. Exactly. So they they had to play in that era where they they all they not only had to deal with the knees, but potential concussions yeah. getting knocked over by a player. Yeah. Incredible time, man. Yeah, I agree with you that that 80s um, that decade. I don't know. I just produced a lot of really amazing baseball. So. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Well, Ed, man, I'm so happy for you. I'm glad that you funded on the corruptor. Anybody listen to this, get over there. Let's get him to that 2000 mark. Um, but Ed, thank you so much for joining. You know, you're always welcome and uh, congratulations on everything. All right. Thank you so much for having me. I always appreciate it and always great catching up. Yeah, absolutely. Ed, have a great uh, weekend. Okay. All right. Thanks. You too.